Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or get financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. You know, this past week, we had the chance to pull away as a staff and go on a retreat. Got a picture for you. I think we got a picture for you. There we are. It's a good-looking bunch. There's an ugly one in the middle. I'll let you guess who it is. But uh, we got to pull away and really seek the Lord on what his vision is for this church for 2021. And, and I believe there was just an overwhelming sense of gratitude for us with the church that we get to serve and lead. And I want to say thank you. Uh, all of our families are a part of this church. We get to benefit from the life of this church. And so can we just take a moment and just praise God for what he allows us to be a part of? Here to awaken. I love you. And today, today, this This message is really wrapping up the habit series and helping all of us see that we have a part to play in seeing this thing called church actually accomplish all that God intended for it to. So would you join me in prayer before I jump into God's word? God, we thank you for this time. We thank you for the chance that we get to come together, just center our hearts back on you, a chance we get to come and worship Jesus, who is the hope that sustains us and strengthens us and carries us. And God, we know that Jesus is not some distant power. He is a friend. He's a savior. God, you you invite us into relationship with him even now. So God, in these moments, I pray that these words I share, you would take me out out of the way and God, we would better understand who we're called to be as a part of the church that you sent your son to die for. And I pray, God, that we would all play our part and seeing what we get to be a part of actually accomplish the mission for what you called us to. God, I love you. I thank you for this church. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Habits. I want to talk to you about habits. And uh, the last several weeks, actually last month, has been pretty cool hearing stories of habits that have started, um, habits that have stopped. Some people started some good things. Um, stop some bad things. Um, maybe for you, uh, you physically started some things. You started a nutritional plan. You started going to the gym. Maybe you stopped drinking Starbucks um, or whatever. You decided you need to start and you need to stop. And, and that's, that's good. And that lasts for a while. What I want to do today is talk a little bit about um, accountability, which is the secret to really seeing all those things stick. There's a really good chance that if the only person who knows about your decision, your choice, your habit is you, there's a really good chance you won't make it. And I I know that some of y'all are like, nope, I'm an overachiever and I'm incredibly disciplined and I told myself and I wrote it on my bathroom mirror and I'm ready to go. But y'all, even even the best of intentions and the most disciplined people uh, tend to fade and fail. So I want to talk about accountability and I decided to title this sermon... We all need somebody. We all need somebody. Y'all know the song? Y'all gonna leave me stranded or you gonna help? Some times in our lives. Come on. We all have pain. 
We, let's try something real quick. Stand up, stand up. Everybody stand up. If you're comfortable, if you're comfortable, grab a partner, put your back up against them. Makai, come here, I need you. And you're by yourself on the end, all right? Here we go. And we'll just start right in with the chorus, okay? Here we go. Y'all ready? One, two, three. Lean on me when you're not strong and I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on for it won't be long till I'm gonna need somebody to lean on. Hey, give yourself a round of applause. Thank you, sir. Y'all pretty good. Thank you for participation. I didn't know how that was going to land. Y'all could have just stared at me. And uh, some of y'all are wondering, what kind of church have I walked up into today? Hey, that song was um, written by a man named Bill Withers. And and Bill Withers was an African-American man who in 1972 moved from a small community in West Virginia all the way to Los Angeles. And, and this little place that he lived in, this little town in West Virginia, he knew everybody. He, it was a close-knit community. His dad was in the coal mining business. And it was a small little country town, man. He knew everybody. Well, one day, and really as a part of the industry to make it big as a senior, one of the greatest soul musicians ever, he moves to L.A. to try to start a career. And when he gets to L.A., what he finds out is he has a really hard time connecting with people. I mean, he's a really, 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 he was a big fish in a small pond in West Virginia, and now he's like a nobody out in L.A. And so he sat down one day behind a piano, and he started playing, and he wrote the lyrics to that song. And I think the lyrics are incredibly powerful, because they're really simplistic, but they're really what we all, I think, need. Like, if I'm honest, I think that there's a lot of people wandering around in our communities, in our cities, in our schools, colleges workplaces that are desperately in need of community, just to be known and to have somebody know who they are, uh, to, to allow them to get to know somebody else, to believe the best about them, to encourage them, to carry their burdens, to pray with them. And the truth is, this is exactly what the church was designed to be. Like when we look at scripture and we look at the New Testament church that Jesus died for, that he commissioned his disciples to lead, it really was designed to be a place that is community. Paul describes it this way. The Apostle Paul, he was a church planter. Um, This church was planted. So just imagine, okay, imagine Paul did this in Corinth, all right? He went and, and planted this church in this big city called Corinth. Corinth was a thriving city. It was the center of trade. It was very wealthy, It was on the port, so it was on the water, and anytime you were on the water, that was good for business. It was a hub of medicine and education, very influential city. Paul planted a church in that city. He didn't go and say, let's start church. He went and shared the gospel. People came to faith. They started meeting together. That became the church. It was a community. It wasn't necessarily a building. Paul grew this church, and then eventually he left to go on and start other churches, and then he gets word that the church that he started, the Corinthian church, is just all jacked up. Because church can be a messed up place. Can I get an amen? Because we're full of sinful people, right? This is a hospital for sinners. It's not a sanctuary for saints. So if we hadn't hurt your feelings yet, 
Give it time. Or, or you just hadn't plugged in enough to really get to know people. Because, hey, anytime you really get to know somebody, they're going to disappoint you at some time, right? People go, you know what? I've never really been hurt by a church. You ain't really been in a church. I've been married almost 20 years. My closest relationship on this earth. And I have, I've hurt my wife. I've let her down. She's let me down. But guess what? What we learn about in church is grace and forgiveness and love and joy and patience. And that's what we're called to be as the people of God. And so the community of the church, Paul basically goes, okay, they're messed up. So he sits down and he writes a letter. And his letter addresses several things. He addresses some sinful behavior, like they had all kinds of sexual immorality going on. But this particular passage in 1 Corinthians 12, Paul decides to address um, really a leadership problem and a cultural problem that the church was experiencing. What they were doing was basically saying certain people in church are more important based on their giftedness, right? Like, so God gave spiritual gifts. He gave some the gift of teaching, uh, some the gift of preaching, some the gift of prophecy, some the, the, the gift of hospitality, right? Like, like God gave all these different gifts. And what was happening in the church is the people inside the church were saying, okay, well, the one who teaches, he's to be higher esteemed. Or the one that can give prophecy, man, prophecy, that's a great gift. So the prophetic person will raise them up. But the one who's hospitable and serves and holds doors, like they're lesser than. And they were ranking people in the church. And Paul hears this and he gets disgusted. Because Paul goes, that's counter to what the church is actually supposed to be. 1 Corinthians 12, let me read it for us. You can follow along if you have a Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12. This is what Paul says. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Let me make it really simplistic. Paul equates the church to a physical body, saying a physical body has many members. Members being arms, fingers, legs, toes, ears. Paul says, here's the parts of the body, but it's just one body. The church is a body composed of many parts. Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. What's he saying? Hey, if you're in church, if you're part of the body, you've been baptized in faith, you've been baptized in the Holy Spirit. That's why when you see people baptized, my daughter, it was an amazing day last Sunday, Brooklyn, my daughter got baptized. That's why when you baptize somebody in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, when you're baptized into the church as a Christian, it means that it doesn't matter if you're Jew, Greek, slave, free, black, white, rich, poor, educated, not, we all become one body because we're baptized in one spirit. So Paul says, look, take all the pecking order of society out of this thing. We're one body functioning together, many parts. Verse 14, for the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, well, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. And if all were a single member, where would the body even be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one 
body. Paul, who was brilliant, Paul, Paul was, was theologically educated at the highest level. Like if Paul lived today, Paul would have gone to high school. He would have got his undergraduate, um, probably at a really good university. Uh, Paul would have gone on to get his doctorate of divinity. He probably would have done a dissertation um, on pharisaical behavior. Like Paul, Paul was about as smart as it gets. And culturally very sound, very connected with his community. And, and Paul writes to this church, and of all the things that he could compare the church to, he decides to compare it to a physical body. And I love that, because one, everybody has one, right? So everybody can understand a little bit about what he's talking about. But he didn't say the church is like the military, right, where you choose to go into the military, and those who have been there the longest have the highest rank, or those that are the most powerful get entrusted with the more responsibility. He didn't, he didn't go, let's, let's use military as an example. He didn't choose business. He could have. He could have said, hey, it's business. Let's you know, make sure that it's structured in a sound way. Make sure that you, you watch the profit law sheets and come out on top. He could say, hey, you need a, a good expansion plan if you're really going to move this thing forward, right? Because we're, we're moving the mission forward, need to plant churches. So he could have used business, and people would have understood that. But Paul decides, you know what, I'm going to use an actual physical body, and here's why. Because I need the people inside the church to understand something, and that is that they all need each other. And that they all work interdependently with each other, and that the thing that holds it all together is the head of the church, which is Jesus. At Awakened Church, our staff and leaders, we have what we call our culture code. This is kind of how we want to be, like, how we want to be defined as the people of God. And the number one point on that culture code is we're a Jesus-led movement. Paul said Jesus is the head of the body. What that means is he's the one that gives the marching orders. He's the one that tells us what to do. He's the one who's already showed us how to do this. And so we just attempt to carry it out. Paul says, look, Jesus is the head, but you're almost definitely the, the members of this body. And you all need each other. It's interesting that he doesn't use an organization, he doesn't use an institution, but he uses an organism, a living, active, vibrant, healthy body, because Jesus is the lifeblood that runs through this thing, and and we're an organism called the church. We're alive because we follow someone who's alive. That's who we sang about just a few moments ago. So what does this mean for accountability? This is the question, because I told you earlier, hey, your habits aren't going to make it if you don't have healthy accountability. And there's people all over the world that accomplish habits without having a church community for accountability. But I believe that if you're going to grow spiritually and become more like the person that God desires for you to be spiritually, you're going to need spiritual accountability. That's what a church community provides. So if you're taking notes, there's three things I want you to to remember from this message um, about the body and the members and accountability. The first one is this, things that healthy accountability needs. The first one is it needs community. Healthy accountability, you need community. A couple years ago, um, I had really let uh, physically, I'd let like physical fitness, I'd push it to the back burner as I moved here and helped start the church and was just working really hard and um, finally was like, you know what, I need to get things back on track a little bit. I need to care, right? Like I want to see my kids, I want to be able to play with them, I want to get healthy. And so I, I was like, I need to find the most healthy and disciplined person I know to be my workout partner. I need accountability. So I reached out to Justin Riccio. Now, some of y'all know Justin. Justin's our outreach pastor. He wasn't then. He wasn't then. 
uh, at the time, he was just coming to the church. But Justin is incredibly fit, um, overcommitted. Some would call it insane. Like, let's just be honest. And I said, Justin, look, I need a workout partner. Can we work out together? Yeah, bet, bro. Let's do it. Pivotal, 5.45 a.m. There's our first problem. <laughs> He's like, no, no, I need you there. 5.45, let's go. I said, great, let's do it. And y'all, I was ready. I had my outfit picked out like first day of school. I had my uh, NO Explode pre-workout, my water bottle, my gym bag. I was ready. And I was going to be a new me. And I remember the first couple days, I loved it. I pulled up and I'm like, let's get this thing on. I'm ready to just push the gym off the planet, you know? Well, after about four days of 5.45 a.m., which meant leaving my house at 5.15, um, I, that, that desire started to fade a little bit. And I remember the first Monday that rolled around, which Mondays can be hard for preachers, right? It's just a long Sunday, you're preaching, you know. And, and, and so Monday came, and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to have to just pull the afternoon workout today. I think I lied to him, told him I had a coffee meeting or something. And, and I'm like, bro, I'm going to need an afternoon workout. Catch you tomorrow. He's like, bro, you, you said you wanted to do this. Like, where you at? And I'm just like, man, come on. Take it easy on me, right? And, and, and so the next day I go, and I remember pulling up in the parking lot at Pivotal, and I'm sitting there, literally, y'all, sitting there praying, God, please, please let something have happened to where Justin can't make it today. <laughs> Nothing bad. I didn't want something bad, like tragic, but hey, maybe he missed an alarm, or he's not feeling good, or, you know, and, and here's the deal. I, I needed... His accountability, if I was going to get healthy, right? I asked for it. I needed that. And it, it came from this relationship. What Paul's saying in this particular text is that if we're going to get healthy spiritually and we're going to grow spiritually, we've got to have accountability with each other. Like that when you opt into this thing called church, all right? Now, I, I know that when I look at this room and I think about those online and Somerville and the earlier service, I know not everybody's been baptized yet. I know some of you are new to this thing called church. You've just stepped in. Maybe you've come for a couple weeks in the new year. Um, And so the the first step to this, if you're going to be in a church community, is obviously being baptized. It's giving your life to Jesus and changing your identity to where now you're a follower of Jesus. Once you've made that decision, once you've stepped into that decision and that lifestyle, then you're in a place where you go, I want accountability. When you come out of the baptism waters, what you're telling people, I'm a new creation. I'm a follower of Jesus. I need you to hold me accountable. And so as a church, if we don't hold people accountable, we're not doing our job. Like if, if, you, if you get baptized, if you've been baptized at Awakened Church and we haven't uh, connected you to a small group or connected you to a team or to build relationships with you to help you grow and become more like Jesus, we're failing as a church. Now, if you've been baptized and we've encouraged you and you're like, yeah, but not yet, I don't really want to do that, that's on you. Accountability needs a healthy community around it. We've got to be able to depend on each other. Could you imagine for a moment um, your alarm goes off in the morning? Paul, Paul says it's one body, many parts. Parts have to work together. Could you imagine your alarm going off in the morning and like you see it with your eyes and, and your mind tells your hand, cut the alarm off? But what if your hand's like, nah, bro, I'm sleeping good today. Like, cut, cut the daggum alarm off right now, you know? It's waking the house up. Nah, I'm good. I need, I, I need you. Like, I need you to do something right now. Or imagine you want to get out of bed. It's time to get out of bed, right? Alarm goes off, you cut it off, and it's time to get out of bed. And you're like, you go to, and your legs won't move. 
You're like, yo, get up. Not, I'm good, I'm going to stay in bed today. We, we, as a body, we depend on all of our parts working properly, right? Last year, um, I got, last summer, I had a total knee replacement surgery. A lot of you guys know that. Uh, and one of the things that I underestimated in the, the knee replacement surgery was the nerve block. Basically, before you go into surgery, they just numb you from like the hips down. And they're like, I will wear off after a couple hours, you know? I was like, cool, that's good. I'd already talked with uh, the physical therapist, and I knew that a goal was for every patient to have total knee replacement surgery, they they wanted them up walking the same day. Obviously not strutting down the hallways, but they wanted you to get up and walk. So I go into surgery, they do their thing, I come out of surgery, and I'm just numb. And I'm like, all right, this has got to fade off because we have a goal that we're walking tonight. And if they told me I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk. Like, they'd already said, hey, you're the youngest patient, non-military we've ever done, blah, 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 blah. So I was like, I'm not going to allow some 83-year-old woman to get a knee replacement and walk down the aisle and not me. So I'm laying in bed, and, you know, incredibly stubborn, incredibly prideful. I can't feel, you know, my legs, but I know, like, okay, it's getting later in the evening. And my physical therapist comes in, and she's like, okay, you ready? And, y'all, I knew, I knew this was nothing. But I was like, yeah, let's go. Let's go. <laughs> and she, she had one of those, uh, you know, little walkers, with the tennis balls on it. And I just remember looking at those tennis balls thinking, they're going to get a test today. Like, I'm going to just put a line down the hallway. And so I'm in the bed. She's like, let's go. Let's get up, you know. And so I swing over, and she's helping, which is nice. And I finally grab hold of this thing. And, y'all, I'm shaking, and it's shaking. And she's going, you good? Everything good? And I'm like, yeah, I'm just supporting my full body weight right now, you know. Couldn't tell her that. And, and we, we start to walk towards the hallway. And my pride, I'm like, look, I got to gotta do this, you know, for me, for nobody else, for me. But I didn't want to tell her because I'm like, she's going to keep me in the bed if I can't feel my legs. And then we're not going to accomplish the goal that we set out. So this has to happen. And so we're moving towards the door and I'm, I'm holding with all I got. Blood is rushing to my head. And the next thing I remember is just being laid up against the wall halfway in a chair because I passed out. Now, my physical therapist, she was about 155, 160, holding a 240-pound man. That did not go real well. And, and it put an undue burden on her. Why? Because I wasn't ready. Why? Because my legs weren't doing their part. Here's the deal. When we're in a church community and we expect the parts to play their part and hold community, and pray for me, serve each other, serve the church, If we don't play our part, we put an undue burden on the ones that do. Paul says, look, Church of Corinth, it's not about which one of you is better than another. It's that you'll all be better when you work together. But if you just focus on one or what's strongest or what's most noticeable, the whole thing is going to be weakened in the process. Like when I think about Awakened Church... You know, it's easy to come in and go, oh, I like the sermons or I like the songs. Do you know there's so many people that serve so sacrificially to make this thing happen? Like right now, there's people in the production room that you don't see. It's like a dungeon up underneath the risers back there. And every week they put service together and put lyrics on the screen and push the service out online for people worshiping that are at home, you don't recognize them or notice them unless the lyrics are wrong on the screen. You know, when you're like in a moment and you're going after it and you're ready for that next line, it doesn't come, and you just, mm, 
to step off of it thinking you're all spiritual. You just don't know the words. And that happens on stage sometimes too. If you ever see one of our worship leaders just back off a mic, it's because the confidence monitor went down. (laughs) That's a little church hack, now you know. They can't memorize all the songs. But here's my point. They're back there, you don't even see them. Even in here. I really hope Eric's back here. Eric, you back here? Eric, come out, come out, come out. Come here, come here, come here, come here. Come here, this dude's behind the scenes. If we don't have Eric here, service doesn't flow properly and get... Come on, come on. He didn't know I was going to do this. This is Eric Ladson, by the way. If, if he doesn't cue the service the way that it needs to be cued and tell the band when to come off or sermon kind of when to start or when to wrap up, it doesn't go out online in the proper way for people to engage in worship and encounter Jesus because they can't make it to church. I don't have anything to do with that. Eric's got everything to do with that. It's one body, but many parts that make the thing work, right? Did you shake your head no? Are you single? Okay, he's taken. Don't even try, all right? Get off. I always try to make a plug. When I think about A-Kids, there's people who serve faithfully in A-Kids every single week. As parents, you bring your children here, right? You drop them off, and they get to learn about Jesus and make crafts and have snacks and have an amazing time. Many of those workers, you may not even know them by name. I think about the parking lot or graphic designers. I think about all the areas in this church where people are using their time and their talents and how God works all those things together for the good to mobilize this mission and make it go forward. Paul writes to the church at Corinth, and I think he would say the same thing to us now. It is not about how noticeable or visible or how strong some giftings are. It's about everybody working together for the body to be healthy. That's what the church is designed to be. And I would go so far to say is that if you have a part to play and you're not playing your part, we're not operating at full strength. See, I step back and I go, man, what what would Awakened Church look like if everybody in here decided to flex their part? If everybody in here decided, you know what? God has gifted me, and God has put certain things inside of me, and I'm ready to step forward and allow him to use me. Y'all, we see some things happen in life Awakened Church we hadn't seen before. Paul says that healthy accountability needs community. And I know some of you are here and maybe you're going, you know what? I've been so, I've heard this so many times as a pastor, man, I was so involved at our last church. I served like crazy and I just needed to step back or I've been hurt by the church. Can I just tell you that the answer when you're hurt by the church, the answer is not amputation. I left the church. I'm hurt by it. Y'all amputated body parts don't heal up very well. Okay, the answer is not to just step away from church. You got to stay connected to a church. What would it look like if I woke up in the morning and I'm walking out of my bedroom and I stub my toe on a dresser and my toe was like, man, you hurt me today, Brent, and just cut me off and I leave it in the closet. It's what Paul's talking about. Like, look, church hurts real. People disappoint us at times. People let us down at times. Hey, we don't give up on people because they're part of the body. And the ones that are hurt, you heal them up. You know why you bruise when you get hurt? Blood rushes to the part of the body that's hurt. That's one of the beautiful things about a church, being a body. When somebody gets hurt, look, we surround them. We take care of them. Nurse them back to health. The healthier parts take care of the weaker parts. That's what a body is designed to do and be. 
Paul says we need each other. Second thing is this, true accountability, it takes humility. Got to have humility. There's no place, there's no place for pride or arrogance in a church community. Now, I know when we leave here, go to church or go to school and go to business and go out in society, there's, t- there's, there's definitely order and there's pecking order and um, sometimes pride can creep into some of those areas. But in church, Paul says, look, there's, there's no place for pride here. We've got to understand that we need one another. Group leaders are no better than group members. Team leaders are no better than team members. Staff is not ranked any higher than somebody that's come here for the first time. Because our, our, our esteem and our value is not based on what we have done. It's based on who we worship. And so Paul's reminding them, look, take a humble approach. You gotta remember, Paul took his marching orders from Jesus. There was a time where Jesus was with his disciples and the disciples come to Jesus and they say, hey, in the kingdom of heaven, who's the greatest? Now remember that? Right, it's like Peter sitting there, Peter and James and John, they were like his closest boys. Peter walked on water, Peter started the early church, like Peter was, we look at Peter and we're like, he pretty much accomplished everything humanly possible. Hey Jesus, who's gonna be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And I just imagine Peter was like, he already named that. And Jesus looks back at him and he says, the greatest in the kingdom is the servant. The greatest is the least. Completely countercultural to what his society practiced. What does that mean for us? Man, it means that when we come together like this, there's not a lot of uh, value attached to what you can do publicly for the Lord. The truth is, I believe the greatest honor is gonna be reserved for those we don't even see. You know, we got people sitting in the volunteer headquarters every Sunday, entering information from these next step cards or prayer requests that come in online. That person will never be on this platform They'll probably never be seen on a camera, but they're the ones that are making the connections that are leading to life change, right? Paul says, look, when we look at the body of Christ, like that position is just as much, if not more important than the ones that you can see and celebrate. It's a great reminder because so easy, it's so easy to look at church and go, well, that preacher or that worship leader or that leader or that, and it's like we, we, we pick out these people that are visible and go, I could never be that. And ultimately, I think Jesus goes, no, I, don't, I didn't call you to be that. Just take whatever gifts and talents you have and submit them to the Lord and watch what he does in and through your life. You have a part to play. Humility is necessary. The last thing is this, accountability always brings activity. Accountability brings Activity. Now, and by the way, let me go back to accountability real quick and humility. Because uh, there needs to be a mindset change around accountability versus judgment. Because sometimes you can be a part of uh, a small group or a church community and you've stepped into accountability, right? And so your leader or people in that group, your peers might say, hey, look, I... I saw you post this. I know that's not really who you want to be. You got two two options there in that moment. You can be like, yep, you're right. Thank you for the accountability. Or, hey, don't cast stones. You can't judge me, right? Um, Accountability looks like this. My, My physical therapist after surgery, her name was Nanette. 
And Nanette said, um, basically, you're one of the youngest ever, so I'm going to make this really hard on you, which was a blessing in my life, right? Thank you, Nanette. And I would go four days a week. And one of the things she would make me do is I had these exercises I had to do at home. And she would test, every time I would go, she would test the flexibility of my knee with like this um, degree. It would tell her what degree I have flexibility and I was supposed to move along at a certain pace. Well, I wasn't doing my exercises at home. I'm like, look, I'm a young buck. I'm going to bounce back. It's all good. And I remember about the second week that I went, Nanette looked at me and she said, you've not been doing exercises, have you? And y'all, that's a good chance to lie as a pastor, right? Uh, but I said, no, nah, I mean, I, I haven't been doing the way I was supposed to. And she looks at me, and I'll never forget what she said. She said, hey, I'm, I, I thought you said you wanted to walk again. And I'm like, well, I do. She's like, okay, that, that's, why, that's why you need to do these exercises. Now, I could have in that moment been like, look, Nanette, don't be judging me. I got a lot going on. You know, I, I got a busy life. I'm moving at my own pace. But y'all, the truth is, I was there because I needed to see a result. And I wanted to see something progress. And I wanted to be healthy. And it was her job to provide accountability to get me there. You know, as a church, whether you're in a group, uh, on a team, or whether you're just attending, look, when you step into accountability as a part of the body of Christ, what you're ultimately saying is, I want to be held accountable to become the person God designed for me to be. So when someone reaches out and says, look, I haven't seen you in group in three weeks. It's not like, man, I wish they would just calm down with that stuff. They're coming after you for a reason, because they want to see you in group, right? When they call you up to serve, hey, maybe, maybe you could give one Sunday a month to serving kids or serving a parking lot or serving social media. It's like, man, what? They don't, they don't know how to have a life? Like, no, they're trying to call you into what God's created you to be, to, to capitalize on your gifts and your talents, right? What would happen if we as a church embraced, started embracing accountability and correction rather than rejecting it? And getting defensive. See, that, that changes everything, that posture of receptivity. But it takes humility for that to happen. Accountability, true accountability, takes humility. And then the last one around act, activity, a healthy body, and we know this, a healthy physical body is an active body. It's moving. It's going places. It's not stagnant. You show me somebody that's just content sitting in a lazy boy day after day, that's an unhealthy body. We know that. But how common is it for people to get into a church and just kind of relax and get lazy? You might get, listen, we've heard this before. You might get frustrated at Awaken because we always ask you to get into relationships. It's like, let me just come to church on a Sunday. Good night. And some of you have for a while. But we don't want to allow you to get into a place where you're just lax and you're not active and you're not being engaged in the mission of God. Because God's created you for more than that. And if we're going to be a healthy body called Awaken Church, we're going to have to see people active. We're going to have to provide accountability to where that takes place. For instance, one of the things we talked about this past week, and I haven't asked permission from the staff to share this. Maybe it's a little too, too much. But from the accountability standpoint, the activity standpoint, you know, Jesus looked at his disciples before he went back to heaven and he said this. He said, go make disciples. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teach them to observe everything that I've told you. And know this, I'm with you to the end of the age. Jesus looked at these disciples and he said, what? I want you to go and do with others exactly what I've done for you. Is it possible the, the longer the church is established and the larger that we get to lose sight that there's a lot of people 
that need to be sitting in this room. It's possible that we don't have accountability to actually go after those who don't know Jesus. But the truth is, that's our marching orders. And I, we sat as a staff going, look, we've got to raise the banner on being missional in our community. Because the edge or the chip of the church in some ways has been lost a little bit. We got to start figuring out who's the one that we need to go after. Who's the person that's far from God but close to me that I can bring into a relationship with Jesus? And I know some of y'all don't know what to do when there's a clap happening, but I love it, Esther. I need us to remember this isn't a game. And church isn't a program. And this is not a country club. And it's not social hour. That what we've given our lives to is heaven and hell, life and death. And there's a lot of people out there who have not experienced it. And the day that we can look at each other and say, you know what, I believe in the implications of salvation, which is what motivates me to action, that accountability will lead to activity, which will change somebody's world. That's who we're called to be as the church. Paul writes back to the church at Corinth, and he says, listen, y'all have lost it. Let me get you back on the heart of God. It's not about who's doing what inside the walls. It's about who's done what, and that's Jesus dying for sins. Get that word out there, and everything else will take care of itself. Would you pray with me? God, thank you so much for this word. Thank you for the truth of scripture. God, I pray that you would just remind us today that we are a part of the body of Christ. We are a part of the church. But we also have a part to play. Every single one of us working together, using our gifts, using our talents to see your mission move forward in a powerful way. And God, if there's any right now under the sound of my voice who have been coming to church or been a part of the body but not really playing their part, God, I pray today they would be called up to be a contributor. And they would realize that when we get them on board, we get better. And that we would be stronger together, God, that every part would play its part so that the body can function to its fullest capacity. That's what you desire for your church. So God, today I pray that whatever feelings of motivation right now or conviction right now may be in this room, God, I just pray that it would lead to action and people would realize, each person would realize they have a part to play in your overall plan and purpose for your church. Jesus, I love you and I thank you for being here. You know, before I close up, I told you earlier that I was gonna give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus, to trust Jesus. The Bible says that uh, we do have this hope that is an anchor for our soul and it's talking about Jesus. And maybe you're here today and you go, I wanna be a part of the body. What's that baptized in spirit mean? Scripture tells us that when, when we give our life to Jesus, when we trust him, right, that we become a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. That he fills us with the Holy Spirit, that he gives us a new identity that we're now a part of the body of Christ, that we step into accountability. We step into this church community that I've just preached about. Today, I wanna invite you to do that. There's a good chance there's someone listening or in the room watching that has never given their life to Jesus. I wanna lead you in a prayer. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, next, not next Sunday, right now. And maybe you feel God calling you into his body right now. Just pray this prayer with me. Say, dear God, I know you love me. 
I believe you sent Jesus to die for me. I believe he died on a cross, was placed in a tomb, and rose on the third day. And today I trust him with my whole life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.